everybody. Welcome to this Board Game Life episode number 32 titled Motor City Mayhem. This show was recorded in part on March 16th, April 22nd, and April 29th, 2014. In this show, I'll be covering a whole bunch of games. Uh, for uh, new games here, we're looking at Capo de Capi from Dr. Finn's Games, Freese's Landlord from 2F Spiel, The Builders Middle Ages from Asmodee Bombix, and Mars Needs Mechanics from Nevermore Games. Then going back to the 20 Shows Ago segment, we're looking at uh, June 2012, episode number 12, where we talked about Zularetta Warfelspiel, Merchant of Venus, Manhattan Project, Airlines Europe, Jaipur, Hanging Gardens, Africana, Rapa Nui, and Agricola, all creatures big and small. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rod, your host, as always. And uh, this show is kind of like three shows in one because uh, it pretty much is. So uh, bits and pieces of the show are uh, from recordings across uh, basically three different nights uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Things have gotten kind of crazy with work, just working too many long hours, traveling back and forth to Detroit and so forth uh, has kind of uh, put a damper in in uh, all my recording schedules, both video and uh, also this podcast here and uh, all that good stuff. But so, uh, you know, you're not interested in hearing all about that. You want to hear about games because that's really what I want to talk about here. So let's get rolling with uh, with all that. Now, I just want to mention real quick, uh, make sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll have some videos up there shortly. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, it's This Board Game Life. So it's uh, youtube.com slash this board game life and also follow this board game life on Twitter, which is T board game life. And uh, as well, uh, you can go to this board game life.com to check out uh, all the podcasts and there's links to the videos. And of course, um, if you want to hear the episode 12 that we're talking about here, uh, you can listen to it on there and, and so forth. In addition to subscribing to the RSS feed. So, Let's get rolling with the first title. First game that I want to talk about today is going to be Capo de Capi. It's a 2013 release from Dr. Finn's Games. It was designed by Steve Finn of Dr. Finn's Games, of course. It plays two players in about 20 minutes or so, uh, probably double that for your first game. And then uh, it plays ages eight and up. This is a a dice game with a uh, a pretty sweet uh, press your luck style of uh of gameplay in addition to some area control as well and with the press your luck element i almost like to think of it as uh, press your luck plus because it's got a little bit more to it than just your traditional press your luck game like you know can't stop and so forth a quick rundown of what the game is like Uh, it's prohibition time in new york city rival gangs of mobsters are using their influence to bribe politicians, run casinos, bootleg liquor, and gain the favor of corrupt policemen. In Capo de Capi, players compete to decide who is going to be the boss of all bosses. And, uh, okay, so um, how does uh, the game basically work? 
Well, uh, you're going to have two dice, a black and a white die, that you're going to be rolling. And depending on the results of your roll, you're going to get to do various actions like uh, influence, extort, bribe, invest, uh, and so forth. Uh, out on the table in front of you, there's a number of uh, pretty good-sized tiles. Uh, they're rectangular tiles, uh, probably about uh, maybe three by four inches, three by five inches or so. And uh, in the center of all of these tiles, there's seven of them total. In the center, there's the mayor. And then to either side, there's three tiles. Each one of them has a die from one to three on it. So there's one to three in the black and one, two, three in the white die. And uh, they represent policemen, uh, casino, etc. So these are the different areas. And as you're rolling your dice, like I said, you're going to get those different actions. Uh, so if you, for example, if you roll uh, both dice in uh, one to three on each die, so uh, let's say like a two and a two, one and three, etc., you get to place an influence token from the supply on t- uh, next to your target card. And there's influence tokens uh, numbered one through three that you'll be placing uh, next to the tiles, like I said. Um, and you can do the extort action, which is if one of the, if one of them, if one of the uh, dice is a four, then uh, you change, you raise the extortion level. This is an extortion level on the mayor. Uh, you raise it uh, an appropriate level and you take a mayor chip and I'll go into the mayor chips in a little bit. So it's just a little token that you get with the mayor. Uh, if you roll fives, you can do bribe. So a five and then a one through three or a four, you get to do uh, a couple of different bribe uh, token actions there. And what a bribe token is, is they're basically hidden uh, influence tokens. So these things are going to be face down and you're putting them next to your uh, your different uh, tiles there. And uh, your opponent doesn't know, at least for most of the game, what those are all about. Then you can do an invest action if you roll a six as uh, one of your dice. So here, if you roll a six, you can do various things like uh, place uh, these value cubes, which are essentially points at the end of the game. You can place them on target cards. Also reveal bribe tokens and a couple things. If you roll doubles... Uh, what you do with these is you get uh, special abilities again. Uh, for example, uh, two ones, you get to place an influence token worth one next to any card. Twos with a two, threes with a three, and then um, fives, for example, place bribe tokens uh, next to any card. So you can see all the different things that you can do here are essentially to um, place tokens next to one of the tiles or bribe tokens or to get mayor tokens, etc. And where the push your luck element comes in is that at no point can you have more than two tokens or sorry, more than one token. You cannot have two or more uh, next to any one tile. If you do, you bust. So this is where you have to stop rolling and you have to claim uh, what you have uh, on the table. And this is a thing that I definitely have a big problem with because I like to keep pushing my luck and uh, I bust. I just go, okay, just one more time. I'm just going to get one more, one more. Oh, 
shouldn't have done that. Going on to the mayor tokens, this is where the this is where the the gamer part of this game uh, definitely comes in because your traditional press your luck game is just pure press your luck. Well, these mayor tokens now kind of change that around and they let you mitigate a lot of that luck in the press your luck um, portion of this game. Uh, they let you mitigate that and basically turn things in your favor. So uh, mayor tokens can be used in terms of one token or two token actions. And you basically take your mayor tokens that you've hopefully accumulated during the game and you return them to the supply. And uh, let me give you an example of, of these different actions. So one chip actions include deceiving. This is where you can shift any token from next to a card to be uh, next to another. So you're essentially moving tokens around. So that if you think that you might hit one, you can just push it over to another side to at least make it more valuable or so forth. You can pocket, move any token from next to a card onto that card. So here you're actually claiming that token. Uh, this is a, a nice little action. Uh, you can kind of uh, you know, solidify that particular area, uh, especially before you can bust. A payoff, you can leave a hitman in supply after rolling doubles. Uh, this is one thing I forgot to mention a little bit ago. When you roll doubles uh, with your dice, uh, it's it, it's good and bad. I mean, the benefit is actually really good, but what the bad part of it is that you get a hitman. If you roll another set of doubles uh, after that, you you bust. So uh, this action here, this payoff action, uh, lets you basically get rid of the hitman so he doesn't follow you or it doesn't uh, affect you at least at that point uh, in the uh, in the game then uh, you can also backstab where the non-player non-active player may force the active player to negate the current dice roll and re-roll so if you're sitting there and you don't like what your opponent just did you can pay one mayor token and then they got to re-roll so they don't get that great benefit that they just rolled. Then two chip actions are reneg, negate one's own dice roll and reroll. Uh, so you can use this to negate a bust. So that's a very cool. If you have the mayor tokens, you can kind of save your hide there. And then scandal, where you can raise the extortion level by one or two. Now this is important because when you uh, when you claim your uh, your position by basically moving your tokens from next to the board onto the boards on your side. Uh, if you have a uh, an extortion level of five or six, you get to claim these little cubes that are on the mayor, and these cubes are essentially points at the end of the game. So you might want to raise that level just slightly so you can uh, basically uh, get more points uh, when you claim your stuff. However, the one thing about using these mayor tokens is that uh, if you use the mayor tokens, you got to take another turn. You can't just do something with the mayor tokens and kind of just finish your turn right there. You got to press your luck one more time. And uh, this can get kind of ugly because you might save yourself, but you got to take another roll. And it might have been worse than what you were just in. So uh, the, the mayor tokens definitely... Uh, improve uh, the the press your luck style aspect of the game. They mitigate the luck, and also 
they're a, a pretty big part of this game. Now, when I was playing this game, at least initially, the mayor tokens are something that uh, was very hard for me to really uh, start doing because I was just so focused on the dice, just so focused, like, okay, what does this mean? What is it a four and a two mean? What does a five and a one mean? And you just, I would just kind of get caught up in that and have to keep referring to the rules before I kind of started remembering what they, what the combinations were. And with that, I, I really didn't do much with the mayor tokens. And then uh, after a couple of games, once you kind of get used to the whole uh, rolling aspect and what the stuff means, then I started exploring the the mayor portion and found that uh, I really did a lot with with those particular tokens. So if you're playing this game, definitely don't forget about the mayor tokens because they can totally change the game around. That bad roll that you just did, it could totally be negated. Or you don't like what your player or your opponent's doing, use that double mayor token on them. What is it called? The the re no, not the reneg. It is uh, the backstab. Just use the backstab on your opponent, and uh, it, it, it's just a really cool aspect of the game. Uh, what's the goal of the game? So the goal of the game is basically to score the most victory points. And victory points are uh, accumulated in a couple of different ways, including uh, at the end of the game, what you wind up doing is you look at the influence tokens that you have versus your opponent. The person on that particular tile who has the most essentially wins that tile, and that tile is worth a point. So there's six different tiles that you're vying for. Each of them is worth a point. And if they have extra cubes on them, then uh, the cubes are additional points. So if there's a tile that you just won, it's got two cubes on it, that's worth three points right there. So you're looking to accumulate the most victory points uh, by pressing your luck and controlling uh, as many of the six area cards as you can and claiming the most cubes. There you go. Uh, is this the game easy to pick up? I, I'd say, I'd say it's extremely easy to pick up. Uh, not always easy to win cause you have to kind of control yourself. Cause like I said, I, I press my luck a lot, almost too much with this game and it really does wind up hurting me. Unfortunately, uh, moving on to the components of the game. Uh, the box, uh, is, is something else. It's really thick. It's super thick, really good quality, really sturdy. I, I was very impressed by it. Uh, the bits that you get, the the cardboard, uh, or whatever you call it, the not punch board. Anyway, I'll call it cardboard. Uh, the cardboard uh, is is fairly thick, nice and sturdy. They have a nice uh, feel to them. The art on it is pretty good. It's uh, definitely like your nineteen twenty thirty mobster style art. You know, kind of reminds me of like The Godfather. You know, all those uh, old style movies. Uh, that you have. So uh, it's it's very thematically uh, drawn in, in that respect. The punching out of the tokens was uh, was pretty nice, no issues there, and it's definitely colorblind friendly. Uh, one thing that I have kind of a, a teeny tiny minor little gripe on this is that the pawns that you get, there's uh, the Hitman pawn, and then there's a pawn for the extortion track on the mayor. 
they're kind of small. I just wish they were a little bit bigger, but this is not an issue, not an issue at all with gameplay. It's just kind of a preference thing, and I guess it's very easy to substitute out with uh, whatever you want. Then uh, the rule book. The rule book is is pretty good. It's uh, was this about twelve pages? Yeah, twelve pages uh, of rules. It explains everything pretty good. I found myself having to keep referring to the rules over and over and over for the first couple of games just to kind of uh, remember what the different actions were or the different dice combinations. Uh, after you get a couple of games under your belt, you'll find that you don't need to refer to the rules as much. And uh, there's a couple of sections that have some like uh, rules explanations or unique situation explanations. There's these little... Uh, player aids that have um, kind of like uh, FAQs or not like FAQs. They are FAQs on the back of them. So they explain some, uh, I guess, common questions that people have with the game and they really do help a lot. So the player aids are definitely a big thumbs up. And um, I'd probably have to say also that this box is uh, definitely foam core worthy is uh, I kind of have an idea of what I want to do with this thing. I'd like to make some uh, trays that you can pull out and put on either side to help set up of the game. Not that setup's difficult with the game. It's it's by no means uh, difficult. But uh, uh, I'm going to see what I can whip up with that. Uh, another thing that was kind of odd was uh, when you're first learning to play the game, uh, the instructions tell you to look at a picture on the bottom of the box to see how the table is set up. Uh, I was kind of irked by that <laughs> just slightly because I had stuff in the box and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm like lifting the box up above my head and I'm looking up at it, you know, trying to keep from spilling stuff out, uh, just to see how the table gets set up. But once, once you play the game, once you don't need that anymore. So I guess it was a, a space saving, uh, method. Uh, so you don't have to burn up another page in the rule book, but, uh, yeah, that, that's another just t- teeny tiny little minor thing. You know, is the game fun? Uh, heck yeah. I, I really enjoy this game. Uh, I like some press your luck games. I used to play a lot of Can't Stop uh, back in the day with my wife and uh, quickly got tired of that thing. Uh, that's for sure. And this thing kind of scratches that press your luck itch. But like I said, it adds a whole new level of gameplay and it's like push press your luck plus um, again, meaning extra, not, uh, not in addition to, or in addition to, but it's uh, it's got this press your luck uh, element to it that can really be changed around by using those mirror tokens. Definitely don't forget about those things and uh, kind of like a wrap up for this game here. I definitely enjoy this game. Uh, it's something I would definitely recommend. I've, played it with a, a number of people now and everybody's really enjoyed it. Uh, my wife, when I showed her this thing, she wanted to play it again immediately, which is definitely a good sign. And, uh, if you like two player games, uh, you like press your luck games, uh, definitely check this thing out. It's out in stores now. It came out a couple of weeks ago and, uh, it was also on Kickstarter. So, uh, Kickstarter backers should have it by now as well. And uh, the game is definitely replayable. So that was Capo de Capi from Dr. Finn's Games. Uh, Definitely check this one out. All right, the next game I want to talk about is Frieza's Landlord. 
This is a 2013 release by 2F Spiel, designed by Friedemann Fries. Uh, it plays two to six players in about 40 minutes or so, ages 12 and up. It's a card game with a really cool hand management, table building, tenant apartment management type of setup. And I'll, I'll go into that in a little, in, in a little bit here. Uh, a rundown of how the game, or about the game, is in Fries' Landlord. You are all ruthless landlords trying to earn as much money as you can with all sorts of tenants moving into your houses, the family, a man with a dog, sometimes even odd ones. All tenants dream of getting a premium apartment, but most often you offer them low rent flats. But beware of squatters. With the help of various action cards, you try to get essential advantages or defend yourself against mean attacks. Boy, there's a lot of those, that's for sure. At the expense of your fellow players, if necessary, or even the poor tenants. So uh, this game comes in uh, a small box uh, of sorts. It's like Friday, if you if you guys remember that game, where it's probably, I don't know, about five inches square and maybe about an inch and a half, two inches tall. So it's a fairly... A small form factor, and it's got those uh, cards that a lot of our Freedom's games have, where they're uh, they're kind of long, so they're not your typical American or Euro style cards. Um, sorts I don't even know what you would call these things other than <laughs> custom two F spiel cards. So uh, the cards are really nicely drawn. They've got uh, you know your typical two uh, F spiel art. That uh, is in a lot of the games like uh, Copycat and Friday and so forth. And I'm really starting to like the style art as well. And uh, the cards, there's over a hundred of them. Uh, the cards have uh, a number of different uh, drawings on them. So you get a whole bunch which are roofs. So it's essentially just the roof of a building. And then other cards will have various tenants on them, various actions, abilities, and so forth. And um, that'll be on one side. And then on the opposite side will be an apartment or essentially a floor. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be getting these cards and there's a draw deck on the table. And you'll have in your hand a, uh, a number of these cards and what you do is you can play them to the table. And you can play them to the table in one of two different ways. You can build a building. And when you build a building, what you do is you place a certain number of these cards with the building side uh, facing uh, facing up. And uh, each of these uh, will then be a floor or an apartment. So, for example, you put three of these down, one on top of the other. And then, or not on top of another, meaning a stack, but uh, next to each other. And uh, you've now created a three-story building, and then you throw a roof on top of it. Uh, your first building is free, and then each additional building costs. So your second building that you have costs you one money and, and so forth. So you do have to pay for these buildings. Uh, once you have your buildings built, you can now put tenants in them and this is kind of a, a neat mechanism in the game where you have different uh, characters in the game like uh, one is the nobles uh, these are the guys that are kind of um, 
eccentric. They don't like to live with anybody else. So you have a, a very short building for them, uh, but uh, uh, they pay a lot of rent. So uh, you go through and you'll play all your cards to the table as many as you want. So you can basically wipe out your entire hand, put it to the table if you can, if you can, because you can't always do that, unfortunately. But uh, once you play all them down to the table, uh, you can collect your rent, which is uh, how you get points in the game, essentially, because at the end of the game, the person with the most money wins. So uh, I guess they're, they're, it's money and victory points simultaneously. And uh, uh, you also have ability cards in there where you can do all sorts of nasty stuff to people. You can move tenants out of their buildings into your buildings. You can blow up their buildings. You can demolish buildings. Uh, all sorts of fun stuff. And this is where this game gets, uh, it's kind of nasty. Where, you know, you can, uh, you know, you, you, people always seem to like look at each other's um, buildings that they have out in front of them. They'd be like, you know, you're sitting there and you're you're planning out your move. You know, you're putting cards onto the table and everybody's watching you. And then they look over at each other's, you know, everybody's scheming, everybody's plotting to see what they can do. And, uh, you know, you just, let's say you throw out the nobles, which, uh, give you, I believe it was six money. Yeah. They pay, uh, $6 or whatever, the, whatever the currency amount is, they pay six bucks. And, uh, so they're highly sought after. So you go through and it's like, Hey, you move them from, you know, that other person's, uh, building over into yours or, you know, you got somebody who's just got this hugely loaded up building, so you bomb it. And uh, there is a defense for the bomb, which is uh, which is kind of neat. So there's an alibi, and uh, there's one other card. Oh, the name escapes me right now. So if you bomb somebody, the police is looking now for uh, whoever bombed uh, the building, and essentially it rotates around the table. And uh, if you don't have an alibi, uh, I think the other one's a lawyer or something. Anyway, if you don't have an alibi, for example, you go to jail. And uh, what jail does is it limits you. You can't collect rent uh, for uh, the turns until you pay your way out of jail. Uh, so um, it, it's it's got some really cool mechanisms in, in that respect where you can build the buildings, you can put uh, tenants in there, and you find that the tenants move around a lot. They move around a lot. People take him from you, uh, or they, they might give you a tenant that you don't want. Like there's some that have some unique circumstances, like uh, the musicians. When they move in, all the other tenants move out, and uh, they have to get relocated to other uh, buildings. They don't have to be your buildings, so if somebody throws a musician in, you know, they might have to go to somebody else because they have to go somewhere and you might not have the room for them. So there's a lot of really cool gameplay uh, in that respect. And uh, I, I, I find it uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, going on to the rules, uh, the rules book, the rules book, the rule book is uh, 16 pages. Uh, it has, uh, a, you know, a number of examples. It's got kind of a fairly a good glossary that explains all the different cards and, and what they do and how they work. And, uh, this is another one that you find yourself referring to quite often. Uh, 
just because the circumstances for some of these cards, you really need to kind of think about it and make sure that you're applying it in the right in the right way. Uh, one thing that I've kind of found out is if an opponent says, "Hey, let me see that rule book," you know something's going to happen. <laughs> there's there's some kind of trouble that's brewing, and uh, hopefully uh, you're not going to be the victim of that. A game plays up until the point of where the draw pile is depleted. Uh, at that point, uh, you just everybody goes through and uh, they kind of finish up their turns. And then uh, the person who has the most money collected uh, is the winner. And the money is represented by these uh, plastic tokens. They're, they're kind of, they're, they're okay. They're multicolor. They've got, uh, let's see here, like green, blue, yellow, red, different denominations. The, the denominations are kind of hard to read. They're just embossed, stamped, whatever you want to call it, onto these things. And they're like the, uh, they're solid tiddlywink style chips so the money's okay nothing special if if you have poker chips you'll probably use those instead uh another thing that i noticed about the game as well is that uh, uh it plays quicker with more people which really kind of surprised me because usually it's the opposite the more people you have the slower a game goes uh playing this thing with four people it just zoomed by probably because uh, the what really happens is the deck gets depleted quicker than a two-player game. So um, both two, three, and four-player games were uh, enjoyable. I haven't played it with five or six. I'm not quite sure how that would work out if it would play too fast. I would imagine that uh, you don't get to build as much uh, with uh, with six players. So um, uh, overall. Uh, this is a game that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Freedom and Freeze's games. Uh, this is an actual reprint, I believe. I believe Landlord came out a number of years ago, and this is uh, a recent uh, reprint of it with some changes to it. I don't know all what was changed between this reprint and the original one, but um, it, it's definitely a, a lot of fun. Um Kind of a, a bad thing about this, though, is uh, I don't think you can get it readily in the United States. Uh, I got this uh, game when uh, Fun Again uh, brought the games over from Essen last year. So uh, this was one of the ones that I, I picked up from their uh, Essen sale of sorts. So hopefully it'll be more readily available here in the United States because uh, it, it's definitely a fun game. and It's it's worth uh, being in people's collections so again this is a pretty sweet little card game definitely uh, definitely definitely enjoy it um, the people that would like it would be the ones uh, that uh, like take that games because uh, there is a high degree of that uh, I guess that's a con for some people that that don't like it's it's not really a mean game but it's not kind <laughs> if uh I can say that. Uh, so if you like take that games, if, if you like plotting against other people and, uh, you know, uh, taking their stuff and, and so forth, you'll probably like this game. Um, it might not be your thing if, if you don't like mean games at all, or at least aren't open to them. Uh, it's definitely replayable, uh, plays longer with two players than it does with 
four, that's for sure. So when you when you play with multiple people, it definitely goes pretty quick. So uh, that is uh, Freese's Landlord. Definitely uh, enjoyed that game as well. Moving on, the next game that I'm going to be talking about today is The Builders Middle Ages. 2013 release by Asmodee Bombix, uh, designed by Frederick Henry. Two to four players, plays in about 30 minutes uh, or so, ages 10 and up. It's a card game uh, uh, with a set collection in it. Uh, what's this game about? In The Builders Middle Ages, the cards represent buildings or workers. Uh, players score points and gain money by completing the construction of buildings while placing a worker on a construction site costs money. Uh, each building has four characteristics, carpentry, masonry, architecture, tilery. Is that a word? Tilery. Anyway, uh, rated between zero and five and workers have the same characteristics valued uh, in the same range to complete a construction the players must add enough workers to cover the four characteristics of the building. So um, that's uh, kind of a, a quick rundown over there, and um, that uh, <laughs> definitely sounds like a like a translated uh, uh, description there. Uh, that's for sure. So um, again, what do you do in this building? Well, you have two types of cards. Or what do you do in this game? I don't know if I said building or not. Anyway, uh, what do you do in this game is uh, you have uh, two types of cards. There's big square cards. I don't know how I feel about the square cards, but uh, they're in this game, and they're actually pretty nice, so I'll let it slide here. But uh, you have the square tiles or square cards, which are buildings um, or machines of sorts, like there's a crane there's uh, a wooden shack, windmill, forge, uh, cow shed, and would that be a barn? Anyway, cow shed. And then you also have workers. Uh, you have a starting set of workers, which are apprentices, and then uh, you have craftsmen of various kinds. And the craftsmen and uh, apprentices will have your four different kinds of of, uh, oh, what do they call them? Uh, characteristics, carpentry, masonry, architecture, and, uh, tilery. And, uh, there's little ticks next to them from one to five, uh, depending on the worker card. And what you're looking to do is you're looking to satisfy the requirements for a building. So for example, here, I'm looking at uh, the wooden shed. So the wooden shed, in order to complete it, uh, you need uh, zero. Um, what is this? Probably masonry. Yeah, zero masonry. You need one uh, carpenter, one architecture, and no tile. So you need two little tick marks here on your workers in order to satisfy these requirements. So what you're basically doing is you're looking to collect workers of different kinds and you're looking to play them onto the table to complete these buildings. When you complete a building, you get various benefits, uh, usually in, t in form of money and points. So um, the, the money will help you um, buy other workers and uh, score points at the end of the game, I believe, as well. 
and uh, the points, hey, they help you with points, of course. Uh, when you build a machine, uh, like, for example, the one that I just mentioned, which was the crane, uh, when you build that, it's worth points. So the crane, uh, as an example here, is worth uh, two victory points at the end of the game, but it also provides you with three uh, masonry uh, points. So you're essentially using this as a worker. So uh, it helps you build the buildings even quicker. So you go through up until the point where one person has 17 points, at which point, and this is on the cards only, and uh, you have 17 points, which is kind of a an odd uh, ending point there because usually it'll be like, a, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever uh, number. So, but in this game, it's 17 points. Uh, you finish the round out, and then the person with the most points on the cards wins. It's a fairly easy game. Uh, it's got uh, a fair amount of cards to it. Let me see if I can find the amount of cards. So there's 47 building cards and 42 worker cards. So what is that? Uh, 89 cards uh, total. And uh, it it is kind of like what I actually consider uh, like a micro game, a mini micro game or whatnot. It's a fun game, small form factor, and it's fun. I know a lot of people think the micros are, you know, your 6, 10, 15, 16 card games. But to me, this game kind of fits that same niche a little bit. And it's a lot more satisfying than than a lot of those uh, micro games that uh, people are touting at nowadays. Uh, in terms of uh, components and quality and everything like that, uh, the game comes in a tin which is a big annoyance of mine. However, now I've got a bunch of these games in this tin, um, uh, actually from the same publisher here. So they actually do stack okay. So once you have a couple of them, you're in better shape than you have one. Yeah, the annoying thing about the tins, and don't get me wrong, the tin looks really nice. The artwork on it is fantastic. It's got that textured embossing on 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 the cover. It's really well done. It's just they're annoying because you know you have they don't they don't sit well on the shelf, and you know I'm always worried about damaging them. Well, I guess wooden boxes get damaged as well, but uh, it's got a tin and uh, it's got some money, which is these uh, plastic uh, coins, which yeah, they're they're plastic coins, nothing special about them. But uh, overall, the, the quality artwork on the cards is fantastic. The coins are just okay, and the tin is annoying, but it's okay once you get a bunch of them together. The rules are eight pages. Uh, the game is pretty simple to learn, so uh, the rules are definitely, definitely, definitely sufficient. Um, let's see what else I can say about this. Um, you know, the rules are easy to read and yeah, I, that's just pretty much it about the game. <laughs> I can't really think of much more to say, although I enjoy it. It's uh it's a fun little filler style game, get, you know, people to play it here and there. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, uh, uh, the builders middle ages.
uh, definitely check that out. Uh, again, if, if you want a, a light uh, card game, that's definitely portable. And, uh, that, and it has that neat little mechanism where you get to just, uh, you know, find the right workers for the building and uh and gain the benefits that way that's that's probably the the coolest part of the game right there it's just finding the right combinations and completing the buildings so if you like that kind of stuff uh definitely check this game out that was the builders middle ages and the final game for the show that i want to talk about is mars needs mechanics this is a 2013 release by nevermore games designed by ben rossett players uh or plays 2 to 4 people 45 minutes approximately and uh, ages eight and up it's an economic style game that uses uh, cards in addition to a board uh, and it features set collection with those cards uh, basically uh, players represent engineers and tinkers from all over the empire who have come to compete for this prestigious opportunity uh, starting the game with only 30 cogs and that's the money in the game Players will utilize a unique, uh, or they will utilize unique game mechanisms that emphasize timing to control sets of components, and build steampunk mechanisms aimed at earning even more cogs. At the end of the competition, the engineer with the most cogs will earn his place as astr- uh, astronautical engineer on the crew of the HMS Victoria Seven. So this is a, a pretty sweet little economic game that uh, is uh, surprisingly fun. Uh, most people, when they think of economic games, uh, you can pretty much rest assured that they really think of, okay, uh, economic, uh, it's going to be dry. It's going to take about three, four hours. I'm going to be bored probably after the first half hour. Uh, well, <laughs> this game isn't like that. It's actually... Uh, are pretty enjoyable, at least it is for me. Where in this game, you're uh, you, there's a, a deck uh, on the table, and uh, you're purchasing cards uh, from a market uh, that gets uh, each turn more cards come out into this market. So you're going to be purchasing, you're going to be using your cogs uh, to purchase uh, cards from the market uh, to build up sets of cards in your hand and then the board uh does a couple of different things on the, on the board on a table uh first off is uh that's where you have the the market prices for the different styles of of uh, goods for example so there's there's a couple different kinds there's like a lens there's a magnet a wire uh cogs uh, so that's a couple of different kinds and these things will have values anywhere from one to nine. So, Oh, for example, you know, if the value of, let's say the magnet is one, you know, that's really cheap to buy. So, you know, you, you can buy uh, these cards for only one cog each. If it's nine, then it's real expensive. You know, it costs nine cogs to buy that item at the beginning of the game. Everything starts out at five and, uh, there's a, pretty cool mechanism again where the the pricing of the different items adjusts so what happens is like when it's your turn let's say you buy a magnet we'll use that as you buy a magnet then 
the magnet, uh, there's these discs that you have, one for each kind at the top of the board. Uh, the magnet goes into first place. So you pick up, after you buy your magnet, you move your magnet uh, token on the board all the way to the front of the line. And uh, the way that this functions is that basically stuff that gets bought moves to the front of the line. And then uh, once the round is over, these uh, prices adjust. So things at the back of the line, their prices go down by one. Uh, whatever's in the middle, because there's seven different kinds, whatever is in the middle of, of that row, it stays the same. And then whatever's in the front of that, so the three items that are in the front, those prices go up by one. So this is how um, this is how the, the prices adjust based on you know purchasing and, and need, desire, whatever you want to call it. So um, going back to what I was saying is that uh, you go through and you buy cards from the market, put them in your hand, and then when you sell them, uh, you sell them based on their current price as well. And you have to have at least three cards of any particular type in order to sell them. So if you have, if you have, let's say, um, two or three wires and the wires have a value of seven each, you'll get 21 cogs by selling that uh, set of three cards there. You also have scrap cards, which are essentially wilds, but they don't count. And what I mean is they don't count in terms of value, in terms of getting money, getting cogs, but they do let you sell. So, for example, using using the the wire there, uh, you can have two wire and a scrap. If it, the wires value seven, uh, the the scrap gives you that third card, so you can sell them, but you only get fourteen uh, cogs for that. So the game uh, basically after each round uh, of going through and and buying and and selling uh, the uh, market gets reset, and once all of the cards in the deck run out, uh, the game basically ends. You finish up, and then the person with the most cogs wins. Uh, you also have an ability to build a mechanism, and the mechanisms will influence the gameplay as long as they're built. So you will use some of the different items that you that you purchase from your hand. So it'll be like, let's say, like two particular cards, you put them down in front of you, it locks them up while you have those uh, that mechanism built, and you can break down the mechanism to get the cards back to sell them. So these uh, mechanisms give you special abilities and you know, certain advantages in the game. So um, uh, a couple of things I want to mention about that is that uh, when I've played the game, the odd thing about it is that uh, nobody really took advantage of the mechanisms, uh, including myself. It's sort of like um, I almost got ignored. So I really need to play this game again and, and kind of explore those mechanisms a little more because there's got to be a reason why they're there. You know, there's got to be a reason uh, or there's got to be some benefits to them where like it really helps you in the game. But uh, nobody seemed to see that, at least uh, on their first plays. So I definitely got to check that out again. And then um, the uh, 
the whole market action is, is really interesting. I, I mentioned it a little bit ago as I, as I explained it, but it's really interesting, and, and I really like that uh, aspect of it. Uh, it's surprising to me also that uh, you don't really wind up with a lot of money in the game. You, you start off with 30 cogs, and you immediately spend them. So when you get them back, you only might get a couple more back. Well, hopefully you didn't lose money in the exchange. But, uh, you know, in those games where, you know, somebody's got like, you know, 400 money worth of points at the end, this is not one of those. Uh, you'll be lucky if you, if you wind up with more than 30, I think, in this game. If you wound up with more than you started with, you definitely did something right. Um, moving on to components of the game, uh, the game comes in what I like to call like an Aaliyah sized or style box. So it's, uh, it's a fairly good size, definitely shelf friendly. Uh, the quality of everything is, is pretty good. The board is real nice. Uh, the rules are are well done. You get uh, a number of different, uh, cogs, in or different denominations there's a one five and ten the tens look like uh what do they call them sprockets no or gears or sprockets uh with a um like a punched out center and this is one thing i want to make mention of in particular is that when you're punching uh these uh cogs out uh pay close attention to the number one denomination because the number one denomination is the center of of the gear or the the sprocket. When I punched these, I was ready to throw them out. I was ready to, I mean, to put them in the bin, but, uh, luckily I'd seen what it was, uh, early enough on. And then I, I I put them in a bag instead of the bin. So, uh, definitely pay attention to that. You don't want to throw them out on accident. So it's a, it's a pretty clever little way to, uh, use space efficiently, I guess. On, uh, on their behalf. Um, everything punched out pretty good. Uh, the quality of the game is, is pretty nice. I'm definitely happy with that. Uh, you do get a fairly large um, player, like first player token. It's this big uh, rocket ship. Very well done. Nice uh, blue color. Definitely like that a lot. Uh, the rules are, are pretty good. They do a good job explaining the mechanisms and, and so forth. Um Definitely uh, keep it handy on your first play to just refer to some of the rules. We found that uh, we just need to go back just to get minor, teeny tiny little minor clarifications that arose as for questions that arose in the game. So uh, rule book's good. The quality of everything is pretty good. Um, and uh, I guess that's pretty much about it. Uh, I did enjoy this game. It is a uh, it's a good, fun uh, light economic game. It's, uh, it's a little bit harder, uh, economy wise in terms of you're not going to get, uh, a billion cogs at the end of the game. Uh, if you got more than what you started, I think you did good. I'd give you a thumbs up for your score there. Uh, the game is not too heavy, uh, it has a, a nice set collection card mechanic. I love card games, so 
Uh, the fact that it's a set collection in addition to economy is, is definitely a plus in, in my book. Um, if you're looking for, you know, a brain burnery uh, economy game, this is not it. It doesn't even pretend to be it. And uh, I'm glad it doesn't because <laughs> I wouldn't like it as much as I do. So uh, I enjoy this game. I definitely recommend it. Uh, if you like card games and you want a, a cool little uh, economy uh, card game as well, uh, definitely check it out. And it's got pretty good replayability. Um, so uh, that was Mars Needs Mechanics. I definitely enjoy this one as well. And for a couple of shows now, I've had uh, a little segment in them where I've gone through uh, in my work travels to different cities across the U.S. And, and I hit up a couple of local game stores just to check them out, see how they are, and, you know, maybe even to find that uh, dusty old game on the shelf that, uh, you know, the locals have been ignoring. So uh, I was back in Detroit for work, uh, actually a couple of times now, and uh, my last trip out there, I stopped out at RIW Hobbies in Livonia, in the last episode, I had talked about this one as well. That was uh, my first trip uh, out to RIW Hobbies. And so on the second visit, it was on a different day. I was actually just coming from the airport, heading over to the hotel. And I figured, hey, why not? It's on the way. I'll just stop in there because uh, I was waiting for a coworker to come out. Uh, he had a different flight. I was going to show up a couple hours later. So I went out to RIW and I was kind of just uh, walking around, just checking things out, uh, you know, checking out the selection, uh, also checking the store out. And uh, one thing that I noticed this time that I somehow totally missed last time that I was out there is that they have a huge game room uh, next door to the store. And then once you go into the store and then towards the back, there's a set of doors that uh, join the two spaces together. And I was really shocked at this place. It, it was very spacious. It was clean. There's a ton of people in there having lots of fun. They even had sofas, I guess, to hang out in the back. They had TVs. And uh, I haven't really seen any, any place like it. I, I give that a double thumbs up. It's a really nice space. And, and those folks out there that are gaming out there are pretty darn lucky to have that, uh, especially with, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, you know, game gaming areas in the stores, you know, they're either kind of dingy, kind of nasty, you know, they have the folding tables, uh, you know, just kind of thrown together. This place seems to do it pretty right. Although I didn't have the opportunity to do any gaming over there, so I can't speak from personal experience how it is to game over there, but just from what I was able to see during that trip out there, I was definitely impressed. So, uh, uh, they probably get the number one spot in terms of game spaces uh, from uh, just about any place that I've seen. Kind of a recap on the store. And the the staff is pretty friendly, definitely attentive. Uh, they look to help you out. They just don't ignore you. And then uh, as soon as you walk in the store right up in front, they have the new releases and the board games. And the board games are usually what I'm checking out. I, I kind of uh, not ignore everything else, but uh, I definitely don't pay attention to the minis or magic stuff, the collectible card games. I definitely don't pay attention to those as much as I do the board games. So the new releases were right up in front of the store. On the right-hand side of the store, like going all the way towards the back, is a, is a pretty big counter. That's where all the card games are. And when I say card games, I mean magic and so forth. 
they got all the cards that you know they're selling and everything's up on a back wall uh so you definitely have to talk to uh you know the store staff in order to get help with that on the left hand side along the wall is all the board games and there's a ton of them there's a little bit of everything also again some uh titles that I was kind of surprised to see cuz they're not very common in a lot of stores you know some uh euro stuff uh but uh for the most part uh it's just you know sections for Z-Man, Days of Wonder, you got your military games, got your euros, uh, a little bit of everything. I'm definitely uh, happy with their selection as well. And then uh, also uh, new this time around, I, I don't know if it was there before, but all the way in the back there's a sales section. Uh, it's got some uh, pretty good prices, I think at least half off on titles back there. I guess they're trying to clear out some inventory. So it's uh, very cool they do that. I know a lot of places will just let a game sit on a shelf forever, but at least these guys want to uh, you know help reduce some of their inventory, hopefully to make space for new games. Yeah, that's uh, R.I.W. Hobbies in Livonia. Uh, I think uh, the next time I'm out in Detroit, I'm definitely going to uh, check them out uh, again because uh, they're definitely worth checking out. And then uh, another store that I hit, actually, I, I found it on my way to R.I.W. Hobbies. It's called Pandemonium. It was just kind of something I caught out of the corner of my eye, and I, I turned back around and I checked it out. Uh, so uh, this is um, it's a store that really specializes in uh, mini-style games. Uh, once you go into the store, it's got a huge, huge, massive a gaming area, and it's your typical gaming area uh, for for minis and so forth. Inside the store, uh, it's probably eighty percent, if not more, geared towards minis, and it's got uh, a small board game selection and uh, probably the best selection out of the uh, mini heavy stores that I've come across so far. They even had some Z-Man games in addition to all of your you know typical uh, mini style board games. I can't really say too much uh, about that other than, uh, you know, it's, it's, if, if you're into minis, you, you're probably going to like this store. Uh, again, uh, I'm into the board game, so this really wasn't for me. I don't know if I would go back. So that's uh, Pandemonium. Again, mini heavy uh, board games, uh, very small selection, but probably better than most uh, mini heavy stores. So uh, that's my travels for Detroit. Next segment here is 20 shows ago. 20 shows ago for this show, uh, we're going back to June 8th, 2012, for episode number 12, titled Kickstart My Heart. Now, this show was a whopper. It was almost three hours long and three hours of just gaming goodness. And then a couple of the games that we talked about in this show, and I'll go over and kind of give you my thoughts on what I think about them uh, 20 shows later, almost two years later. Uh, got to play a lot of these games uh, multiple times and uh, just uh, kind of uh, talk about, you know, changing tastes and experiences uh, over time with these games. So first off is Zuloretto Werfelspiel. Now this was uh, the uh, German release of Zuloretto the Dice Game. And uh, it's... Uh, come out in an English release uh, last year in 2013. I believe it was released right around Gen Con time. So uh, this was uh, the German release uh, of the game. The game is pretty much 
rules. Um, well, it's got German rules, but the game itself is uh, kind of independent, uh, language independent, because it's got animals on it. You get a couple dice, again, um, and uh, score pads and so forth that you really, I mean, it doesn't really matter too much uh, what language the game itself comes in. This is a game that uh, I enjoyed uh, quite a bit initially. I've cooled off on it somewhat. I'll definitely play it, and I play it here and there. Uh, my wife still enjoys it. She plays it on Yucatan. Uh, but uh, it's it's an enjoyable game, definitely filler territory. I'd, st- I'd still say it's it's good enough to, to play uh, nowadays as well. Just uh, I don't seek it out too much. Then uh, Merchant of Venus. A uh, big topic on the show was what's going on with the game because uh, there was uh, a little bit of drama going on with the show just because of the whole uh, two different companies working to bring it uh, to market. And then, uh, thankfully, later on that year in 2012, it did hit the market. At least I think it was 2012. Maybe it was later. Uh, but uh, it did hit the market. It was brought out by Fantasy Flight and Stronghold Games was brought on as a... Um, consultants to the game and i'm glad the thing got out uh they did a pretty nice job uh there's been a lot of controversy of sorts or not like controversy maybe like opinions as to which a uh, game is better because this game included a classic and then a re-engineered version kind of a more up-to-date version some people sw- swear by the classic it's the best way to play it they don't like the new version and other people are fine with the new version as well so uh, yeah, I'm curious to see uh, if they're going to come out with anything for this game just because uh, Fantasy Flight, you know, they love their add-ons. They love their expansions and so forth. We'd like to see if they're going to come out with anything. I haven't really heard anything. I'm just kind of curious as I, uh, as I say it right here. But again, I'm really glad that this game came out. Uh, moving on, Manhattan Project. Wow, Manhattan Project is a fantastic game. And it definitely sits on the on the top of my game rankings as one of my favorite games uh, that I have in my collection. And it's one that I'll play at the drop of a hat. It's like if anybody's even there, if they go, hey, what's this thing? Okay, let's play it. <laughs> so uh, Manhattan Project just, uh, well, was this uh, maybe about eight months ago or so? They had an expansion uh, come out. Uh, it was on Kickstarter uh, for some time, and it got released. Uh, it adds a whole bunch of different um, elements to the game. Uh, you can play with uh, one of them or, or multiple of them. Uh, definitely consider getting that expansion in addition to the game. And, uh, well, get the game, period. It's uh, it's definitely one that I give high praise to, and I enjoy it a lot. I've enjoyed every single play of this game. And uh, I don't see that that changing at all. It's a fantastic, fantastic game. Airlines Europe. Uh, this was uh, a pretty cool little game. Uh, a lot of people enjoy this game. I played it a number of times, uh, including one time the power was out. So we had a uh, one of those LED lanterns. We set it up on the floor and we were playing it in the dark. It was probably like 9 o'clock at night, pitch black in the house. And we're playing uh, Airlines Europe. It's uh, it's definitely a, a fun game. I won't go into it too much. I'm sure everybody's familiar with it. 
Uh, a lot of people call it kind of like uh, another gateway style game. And I, I pretty much uh, agree to that. Uh, it's uh, kind of like Ticket to Ride, Airplanes, economy, Economic Game. Uh, definitely enjoyable. I kind of forget about this game on most occasions. I don't even cons- think about it for some reason. But uh, now that this is this conversation here has uh, re-sparked my... Uh, uh, Airlines Europe in my mind, I'll, I definitely would consider it for the next uh, introductory game for somebody that I'm trying to bring into the hobby. Uh, next is Jaipur, another fantastic game. Love this game. Uh, I play it online occasionally on, uh, what was it, on Yucatan, I believe. And uh, I, I definitely enjoy it. It's one that my wife will ask for occasionally. I'll play it. Uh, it's definitely a good game to introduce to people when you know you're trying to bring him into the hobby again and it's a fairly quick game small footprint uh, you don't need a huge table to play it there's no huge board it's just a bunch of cards a bunch of uh, tokens and a lot of fun uh, definitely recommend this i think that this one is being reprinted at least i thought i remember seeing something on bgg a while back i don't know if that's happened yet but there was some talk of reprinting because I believe it was hard to find for some 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 time. Uh, Hanging Gardens. This is a game that I get to the table every couple of months. Uh, it's a card game where you stack your cards in different configurations. I guess you're doing the Hanging Gardens of what, Babylon or whatever that was. Anyway, uh, it's got a really cool little uh, building action where you're trying to orient these cards to put these um, different uh, temples, um, these different uh, shapes, or let's just call them shapes, uh, these different shapes or building parts onto the table, but you can't put them on the table directly. Uh, These cards, they're like in uh, six area grids. So there's, uh, you know, uh, two rows of three, I guess. And you put them down on a table. Some some of those spots will have like building parts. Others won't. They'll be empty. The empty ones can hang off on the table, but your buildings need to be on top of other cards. So I don't think I did that game uh, justice with my little explanation over there. You kind of have to see it in order to know what I mean. But uh, it's, it's a really cool game. It, it's got kind of like a spatial aspect. You got to figure out where you can place this thing and uh, place it properly. And then you're looking at uh, doing uh, various uh, like collections of these tiles from kind of like a market of sorts. But uh, this is a game that uh, I really enjoy. I I really enjoy this game. I'll definitely play it each and every time somebody uh, even mentions the game just because I think it's kind of an underappreciated game. I don't think it got anywhere near the love that it deserves because it is a really cool game. There's a, a version of this also on Yucata. Um, it's also one of those games that is kind of wonky on Yucata a little bit. It's just uh, a little odd the way you have to play it and orient the cards. I tried showing it to my wife and she likes the card game well enough, but she had serious problems with the controls and so forth on Yucata. But I don't, I don't know if you could do it any better in terms of a board game uh, adaptation on Yucata. 
So uh, Hanging Gardens, another one, uh, gets a thumbs up for me. Uh, Africana, uh, this was a, a game that was uh, kind of a pleasant surprise, a Michael Schacht game, again, uh, where you're, you're basically explorers going through Af- Africa and you're building routes and going from place to place, delivering things. And it's got that cool little book uh, mechanism from Valdora. I think it was, yeah, Valdora was the one that was the first game that had it. But anyway, um, you have these little wooden holders for your cards, and you flip the cards on there um, as if it was a book, which is kind of neat. So you'll take the card from the left, and then you know flip it over, put it on the right side, and you can go through uh, multiple times. I believe the first flip is free, and then uh, after that you have to pay uh, to flip uh, in order to buy those cards. So it's a, a cool little mechanism um, that uh, got you know a little bit of press initially when the game came out. It's like, hey, look at this cool mechanism, you know, with the book and so forth. Uh, when after the game kind of came out, it just dropped off the radar. I guess a lot of people just lost interest or they weren't in into the game as. Uh, you know, it, it just it just lost the buzz, and uh, it kind of lost the buzz with me as well. Uh, played it a bunch of times initially, and uh, haven't brought it out to the table in probably at least a year and a half, if not more. Oh, we also talked about Rapa Nui. Uh, Rapa Nui is a game that uh, I'm kind of bummed it hasn't come to, in, to the United States, and uh, I, don't, I don't think it will. It's a it's a cool little card game. Again, uh, I'm kind of a card game nut. I enjoy them a lot. And uh, small form factor and, and all that. And uh, I really hope that this game finds its way over to the U.S. I was kind of holding out to see if, if there could be a U.S. release to this. Uh, but eventually I'll probably just wind up picking up a, a German version for myself. Uh, I believe this one's also available on Yucata, if I remember correctly. So if you uh, if you have a moment, definitely check it out. Uh, cool little mechanisms in there. And then uh, lastly, there's uh, Gricola All Creatures Big and Small. This is a, an awesome little game. Uh, it takes some of the cool aspects of Agricola and puts it into a small form factor two-player game. Uh, it's not a very quick game. You know, it can take half an hour, hour to play these games, especially if you're playing with somebody uh, for the first time. But uh, it's an amazing, amazing game. There's been two expansions out for it so far. Um, something like uh, more buildings, big and small, or something like that. Anyway, there's there's two more expansions. Uh, I've got one of them. I haven't uh, tried the second. I haven't looked into the second one yet. But I was very pleased with this game. This game is a lot of fun. And then they also came out with that uh, Le Havre uh, game, Inland Port, as well. So I, I hope they come out with a couple more of these uh, small two-player adaptations to these games. That would definitely be cool to see. But Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small, definitely gets a thumbs up in my book. Uh, definitely check it out if you haven't uh, already. Okay, so uh, that was about it for 20 shows ago. Uh, game Lust uh, this time around, not a whole lot. Um not a whole lot to say. At least I can't really think of too much that uh, I'm is really on my radar right now. It's kind of a dry spell. Not a whole lot coming out right now. Um, 
We're still waiting for like uh, Gen Con Origins and all that uh, to roll around. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, activity in the next couple of weeks or months. Uh, the one thing that uh, has my interest peaked a little bit is Marvel Dice Masters. I'm definitely interested in checking that out. Not quite sure on the whole collectible aspect of it. The game itself is pretty cheap, 15 bucks, but uh, you can drop a lot of cash on the boosters. Uh, boosters are pretty cheap. It's about a dollar a pack, but uh, people are buying a lot of them. And uh, I've heard of some people spending a lot, a lot of money just on those boosters, and they still don't have a complete set. So maybe not the best thing for a completionist. <laughs> But uh, one thing that kind of uh, gave me some concern about this game, as uh, is, is interested in it as I am, is that uh, I'm colorblind uh, to some degree with uh, green and red, uh, a little bit of brownish uh, in there as well, or at least my problem is the green and the red look brownish. Can't tell what color they are. But uh, there's a lot of colors in Marvel Dice Masters, so uh, I've heard a couple of things about people having issues uh, with the colors on there. So I don't know how much this would affect me or, uh, you know, people with varying degrees of color blindness, but uh, it's probably not going to stop me from uh, exploring the game and checking it out. But it's just something that's kind of like in the back of my head. I'm expecting to uh, not have a good time with this game. However, I'm really hoping that uh, that's not the case, and I'm pleasantly surprised. So, uh, yeah, that's about it for the game list. Uh, final thoughts on the games that I talked about. Uh, Capo de Capi from Dr. Finn's Games. Uh, this is a pretty sweet uh, press-your-luck, push-your-luck style game uh, with some uh, gamers game, uh, gamers game uh, aspects in it with the with the mayor tokens where you can basically mitigate the luck. And uh, I know a lot of people are really adverse. They have adverse action or reactions to press your luck games. And uh, the mayor tokens kind of, uh, they let you get your groove back. They let you rein in some of that luck and really change uh, the flow of the game. So uh, this is a game that was a pleasant surprise for me. And uh, I really enjoy it. It's going to be staying in my collection for quite some time. Uh, Freese's Landlord is uh, another game that uh, I really like the, the mechanisms in it. I like just how you can use your cards. You can do the buildings. You can put tenants in. It is not a, uh, a friendly game <laughs> at all. I mean, you're basically going to just try to steal tenants out from your opponents. You're going to try to wreck their buildings and and so forth it's an enjoyable game uh you do need a little bit of uh a little bit of uh table real estate uh in order to play this game especially if you get a couple of buildings built so just keep that in mind i played it one or actually a couple of times on a dining room table not dining room table yeah, a coffee table and it was always kind of like shifting things around trying to make them fit uh once again but uh Freese's landlord Again, another pretty cool game. Uh, I don't think it's readily available in the United States, but hopefully uh, it'll come over here or at least be more readily available by the uh, companies that uh, you know import the games, like uh, Games uh, Surplus, etc. Uh, the Builders Middle Ages, 
this is a, a nice little game, uh, definitely light, uh, one that I would consider a micro game just cause it's uh, small. Uh, it's an enjoyable game overall. I don't know how much replayability they might get now that I think about it, but, uh, it is fun. I think I might try to introduce it to my son who's uh, six years old now, see if he can kind of, uh, pick up on, uh, you know, doing those combinations with the cards and, and building the buildings and the machines and so forth. But, uh, the, the games is, is decent. Uh, it's got that annoying tin, which I talked about earlier, but otherwise, uh, it's, it's an okay game. Uh, definitely, uh, check it out. Uh, it might not be for everybody, might not be perfect for you or your collection, but, uh, it definitely is worth checking out. And then lastly, Mars Needs Mechanics. This was uh, a pleasant surprise for me. It's an economic game with cards and set collection, and I really did enjoy it. Uh, it's got some cool interactions with the cards and uh, how the market uh, reprices itself, and I was really surprised at uh, the low scores in the game, but I think the game is just made that way because you start off with uh, 30 cogs which is the money in the game and you immediately just drop all the way down as you're buying things and then hopefully if you do things properly you'll uh you know uh, reap your investments so uh definitely check this one out as well and uh this uh, one will definitely be staying in my collection as well so uh that's it for episode number 32 uh make sure to check out uh, this board game life on twitter that's T Board Game Life. Uh, follow it on or follow this Board Game Life on Twitter, and uh, I try to post on there uh, as regularly as I can. And I post pictures of uh, game sessions and all sorts of good stuff. So definitely check that out. Uh, there's a guild on BG. Definitely check that out as well. And uh, uh, any feedback that you have for the show please send it to me either on Twitter or you can go to thisboardgamelife.com. There's a contact page over there. And uh, I'd love to hear from you guys. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, It's a pleasure as always and hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) 